This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on all these pods is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z. And it's a shame we don't have this thing on, on video where you can see what AJ's wearing <laughs> today. He's sporting the, the new Andre, I mean Andre, the new Marc-Andre Fleury jersey from the Las Vegas club. And boy, you look pretty sharp there pal i wonder if your allegiances will be crossed up uh, we'll get into that in a moment but off the top <laughs> i gotta i gotta razz you a little bit because as our devoted listeners know the co-hosts of this pod do have their favorite clubs and the last time they met my young partner wore me out a little bit about the way his time defending <laughs> champs stopped my upstart club well lo and behold the maple Leafs certainly turned the tables in a rather convincing 5-2 win on their home ice without their best player even being dressed for the contest that means the series goes series on the season goes to my club two to one and your club had the two home dates so don't be griping about that okay it was one (laughs) fair and square Uh, i'd love a playoff series between these two teams but it wasn't without a bit of controversy and we'll get into that uh, sooner or later i'm sure in this show aj what do you got to say for yourself well hey i mean i wasn't going to bring it up but you brought up the you know (laughs) lease without their blessed player uh let's not forget the penguins were without matt murray still so you know (laughs) Good, good on you for for beating uh, uh, Casey DeSmith. You know, a big, big, big win there for you. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take the two Stanley Cups over the regular season series. I'll take the fact that you guys are still paying one point two million dollars of Phil Kessel's salary every year and in, into perpetuity at this point. So, you know, we'll we'll see how everything squares out. But I definitely would enjoy a uh, a series here. Uh, you know, seven, uh, well, rather a four game series, oh, really, but a, a best, a best man, of seven man, series. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, one day, AJ, it's going to happen. And I hope we're still doing this podcast. Then I would dearly love to see that in any case, uh, you got to give our friends uh, a reminder, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into the rest of the show, just to remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer those questions. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ 24 and you can follow Paul at Statsman22. 
All right, AJ, we're going to start our look at 31 teams with the, what's going on in Anaheim. And uh, it's typical of a number of teams around the NHL of late. There are a number of clubs that are forced to lean heavily on their number one goalies as they head toward uh, the regular season's end and try to fan their playoff hopes. And in Anaheim, that's one situation that might be getting to John Gibson. Uh, his goals against has crept upward for the second straight year, and he's on the verge of a new career high for games played. His backup, Ryan Miller, though, interestingly enough, has the same goals against average. They're in a three-way battle for a division playoff berth, so I'll be curious to see this goalie slit and how it plays out, but I don't think they lose too much with Miller in there. I'll be curious to hear what you have to say. And in other news uh, up front, uh, Brandon Montour has moved steadily up in the D pairings to get first-line minutes alongside Cam Fowler, who's emerged as the number one D-man on this club uh, also getting power play minutes yeah i mean i really i really like ryan miller um i think he can still offer uh, a solid backup i mean i i think he's probably one of the best uh number twos in the league now granted he gets the usually tough matchups hard to get your stride going when you're not playing every single night so i give him a little bit of cushion there but i do think he's one of the best backups in the league now that being said he is a backup here in anaheim the the job is firmly john gibson i mean you're looking at a 37 year old miller versus the 24 year old gibson uh you did mention you know playing a lot of games this year uh two straight seasons upward of 50 uh i would expect him you know he'll probably end up around 57 58 i don't think he'll quite crack 60 here given the number of games left but how he handles that workload uh you know with the playoffs around the corner will be interesting to watch I do think they have the benefit of if for some reason John Gibson were to completely just exhaust himself and not be on his game for for the postseason, they do have Ryan Miller and they could put him in there in the playoffs and have him win a game or two and give Gibson a little bit of rest. So uh, to your point, I think it'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. And in Arizona, they boast one of the top rookies in hockey, but you don't hear much of Clayton Keller, do you? Uh, I guess it's playing in the desert for a bad team, but he's not getting the love of other top rookie scorers, despite the fact he's already the top scorer on this club by six points. So he's not really insulated over here to to add to his uh, his uh, profile, I, I guess, AJ, is what I'm saying, with the other guys around the league really having others to lean on. Similarly, I'll give credit to for first signer uh, Derek Stepan for his scoring consistency. I was surprised that he's able to uh, approach the 50 point mark for the fifth straight season. There's not a lot of depth behind him and I'm thinking opponents key on him but there he is delivering what he usually does and he's usually a pretty responsible two-way player but the minus totals are going to be there for everybody on this club because they just don't have enough talent and when you're a low scoring team and your line is the focus of opposing checkers that's still a decent performance by Stepan year to date. Yeah, I think part of the reason you're not hearing a lot about Keller, to your point, is uh, that, you know, Arizona's a, a, a bad team, just to be blunt yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, you know, the other part is Matthew Barzal has been having a phenomenal year, is definitely going to win the Calder, in my opinion. You know, he's got 18 goals, 51 assists. He's getting the John Tavares effect. I mean, you don't rack up 51 assists playing with the guys that Clayton Keller has to play with. Uh, and that's the big difference between these guys. Barzal's at 51, Keller's at 31 uh, in the helper ca category. You know, Brock Besser's up there too, Yanni Gord. Uh, both those guys have a few more pieces around them than Keller has. So, uh, you know, to say he's kind of underrated for being, you know, before the season's out, he'll for sure be a 50-point guy here uh, is, is pretty interesting to, to kind of factor all that in. 
In Boston, Brad Marchand has now joined Patrice Bergeron on the injury list with an upper body hurt. Uh, I wonder about that one, though. We'll we'll talk about that later when we get to the rant of the week. You can guess who we're going to talk about a little bit there (laughs) and the incident. Uh, Some other roster juggling now sees Riley Nash dropping back down to a third line role, even with these injuries. And the other move the other way is David Backus back into a second center role. And I was expecting this a lot earlier in the season because he's been a top six guy with the Blues even before his arrival in Boston. So... uh, uh, long time coming for that one, I think, and uh, it's a it's an insulating move in the top two centers until Bergeron gets healthy, no doubt. With, with the Bruins accumulating bumps and bruises and facing a very busy schedule, though, I called this, and it's not a good scenario for this team down the stretch, I don't think, because they're going to be among the busiest clubs with a lot of games to play and a lot of travel miles. So I'll be curious to see how the veteran squad does handle this. Yeah, the the games played is a a really key part there, Paul. Uh, Great point by you. You know, you look at the entire league, uh, and Boston has played only 67 games. Uh, The Panthers are the only other club that's played that few. Uh, Most teams are up around 69, a handful of upwards of 70 games played. Uh, So they do have a lot more work than the rest of the league. And again, another uh, solid point by you with, you know, Bacchus moving in there into the center spot. I do believe it's still going to be temporary, uh, but there's a lot to be said about them having previously tried to stretch out uh, some of their scoring. Backus is kind of a sniper. At least he used to be in St. Louis. I'm not sure he still fits that bill in Boston, but they've gotten to spread it out a little bit. Now they bring on Brian Gianta, and maybe that's enough to you know allow them to move Backus. You know, maybe when Bergeron comes back. Backus moves to the wing uh, alongside Krejci or, or some combination like that. So we'll see what happens there. But for now, to your point, he's going to be that that second center. And in Buffalo, boy, a bad season is just getting worse when uh, news comes down that Kyle Pozo has gone down with a concussion. That leaves this club saber thin offensively. You see what I did there? I like that one. <laughs> uh, in other news up front, uh, Zembis Gergensen has seen a, a lot more minutes in top six role, but only returned one point in the seven games with the upper half of this lineup. They got to get more out of guys like that. And it's also thinned out at center with the injury news to Evan Rodriguez, who's still noted as day-to-day. But on the positive side, they're getting back their signature player, Jack Eichel, just in time to face the Maple Leafs. Uh, Buffalo's been a house of horrors for Toronto. It doesn't matter what the Sabres are up to. They just have a heck of a time. So it makes perfect sense to me that Eichel will return to the lineup against the Buds on Thursday. Well, I think that the reason the Sabres are always so motivated to beat Toronto is because you keep trying to steal their football team uh, and try and get the Bills to play games up there. But different topic aside, uh, it does sound like Evan Rodriguez is probably going to go on Thursday as well. Uh, Eichel, you know, him and him and Phil Housey were very hesitant about putting any sort of definitive timeline on it. Uh, so we'll see how all that shakes out. I think the most interesting move that Buffalo's made uh, today actually was calling up Linus Olmark from the minors. I think that shows they're going to fully rotate all three of these net minors, Robin Lerner, Chad Johnson, and Olmark to kind of see what their options are here. I mean, you, you look at Lerner, um, he's got, uh, isn't under contract next year uh carrying a four million dollar cap hit right now restricted free agency ahead for him chad johnson is an unrestricted free agent heading into next year so omar's really the only guy they have here that's under contract next year uh on on a relatively cheap deal so it'll be interesting to see uh how they move all these guys around and and who gets starts when 
Uh, you must be in- interested to hear this. Mike Smith looked rather ordinary in his return from the injury list, uh, AJ. I wonder if he's just played too much hockey this year for a club that's really needed him to come up big. He gave four goals against and only 26 shots against the Islanders. They can't have that. I'll blame it on Rust and see how he does the next couple of di- nights out, but he can't afford even one or two more slip-ups like that one. Three top six forwards are nicked up and listed in day-to-day. Uh, any club would be challenged without the likes of Monaghan, Backlund, and Tachuk in their lineup. So that means that a playoff push, push is really in jeopardy here. They're on thin ice in Calgary, I think. Absolutely. It does sound like a little bit of good news, at least at the center position. Uh, Monaghan and Backlund supposed to be back tonight. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out, uh, but it's looking good. Matthew Tachuk is not going to play tonight. Uh, and so they'll be a little stretched on the wing. You're going to see uh, Curtis Lazar come into the lineup. Uh, Chris Stewart will get a shot, the recently recalled guy. And they are still missing Chris Versteeg. Uh, he's been making progress skating at practice, but unfortunately he just hasn't been able to put it all together and get back on the ice yet. So uh, as much as I do want to put all the blame on Mike Smith, uh, some injuries <laughs> really have kind of you know banged up this team and, and made it harder for them to score goals so that even if he was performing slightly better than he has been lately still might be coming up with losses just because of a lack of offense and when it comes to carolina aj i'm going to talk about a couple of familiar names that i bring up routinely here but there's an, a different slant on them so i'll begin by saying their recent slump has also cost them a postseason berth in all likelihood however they do have a healthy lineup right now which could mean that they're primed for a spoiler run uh, in in that metro division with a lot of divisional games left so it'll be interesting to see how they impact that group the rest of the way justin williams one of the guys who warms up at this time of year regardless of who he plays for has six points in the last five games that's just an example of the kind of player that will jump up and bite you if you're not careful at this time a telltale issue here though is that two of their signature players skinner and justin falk jeff skinner and justin falk are carrying heavy minuses once again despite all their scoring exploits it's who they are unfortunately and Carolina wears this by employing guys like this uh, throughout their lineup. Uh, despite the fact they have some par- solid citizens at both ends of the ice, these two are not, yet they need them for the offense that they bring. So it's a real catch-22 situation with those two players in, in my mind. Well, I'm going to take advantage of uh, us being able to talk about Carolina here to bring up a question uh, that we got from at Dr. Truffles on, on Twitter a couple of days ago. Uh, it says he's sitting on Murray, Ward and Jones uh, heading into playoff season here and thinking about moving Ward for Darcy Kemper or Keith Kincaid. Uh, I'd be hesitant uh, to get rid of Ward here. Uh, honestly, I think Murray, especially when you're in your playoffs, might be the better move. There's no clear indication on when he might get to go again. Uh, and so in postseason time, you don't want to waste a roster spot on, on a dead uh, you know, a dead spot there on a guy that's not going to play. So um, just quick, uh, quick answer to a question there. Uh, that's what I would do of those three guys. I, I would move, uh, Murray for maybe Kemper or Kincaid based on who's going to get starts. Uh, but Ward, I think is a solid piece. He's still going to see the bulk of the time here. You know, darling got the game in Chicago, uh, and then got the game at, at the Rangers, but I would expect them to kind of split time going back and forth. And who was the third goalie there, AJ? Uh, they were looking at uh, has uh, Ward, Jones, and Murray uh, yeah. there was the question. Jones is lights out right now. So, yeah, it's between Murray and Ward. And, and if the injury status on, on on the Pittsburgh goalie is still murky, I agree with your call completely on that one. 
In Chicago, Anthony Duclair is now on the injury list after a bad collision last week and sustained a knee injury that will keep him out a minimum of two weeks, it looks like. He's been quite ordinary in his Hawks stint, though, and that disappoints me. Uh, only eight points and and 29 shots in 23 games played there. I thought this was a chance for him to really show that uh, his experience was uh, in Arizona was a bit of a mirage, but he, he was even more productive in his stint in Arizona this season, so that's a really tad, bad sign for him, a guy who needed to show better than this. They're also auditioning three other forwards with Hayden, who's been with the club most of the year as a bottom half guy in a top six role, and then Kampf and Highmore have been brought in in bottom six roles, so the auditions continue in Chicago, and with Duclair going south, one of these guys has a chance to fill in his boots maybe longer term than even when he gets back. Absolutely. And don't sleep on Vinny Hinestroza either. Uh, he's got uh, 23 points on the year in 38 games, uh, and he's been playing a lot more lately and starting to see his minutes come up a little bit too. So uh, is getting time on the power play as well, despite being listed as a, as a fourth line winger. So they're, to your point, they're giving pretty much everybody a shot, uh, kind of throwing, throwing lineups at the wall and seeing what sticks right now. Uh, cause the season's basically over and has been really since Corey Crawford first got hurt. And we move on next to uh, the other club in the seas that remains, and that's Colorado. Before we get to Columbus, the Avs are treading water despite a couple of key guys missing on the blue line as Johnson and Barberi are both injured right now. That means Zadorov has picked up some of the offensive slack, and he's had to with three points in his last seven games. This guy's got a pretty good offensive mix to his uh, talent bag. I'm expecting more from him even when these guys get healthier it's just a case of a your defensemen take a little bit longer to develop and this guy was a very high uh, draft pick and a hot prospect and I think before his career is said and done he's going to have an impact in Colorado so I have a lot of time for for the audition he's getting now in a top four role hopefully he gets more power play time to show what he can do and takes advantage of it up front Yost and Landeskog have flipped roles on the top two left wing positions and that boosts Yost's profile as he scored in his last game in that slot next to McKinnon I think it's a great spot for him and a good idea to split up him and uh, McKinnon and Landeskog to give the the Avalanche roster a bit of a different look and uh, they have two linchpins to build around there yeah, I think they definitely need to explore options like that. The fact that they're in uh, a fight for the wild card spot. I mean, the top three in the central is still somewhat open. Uh, you know, Nashville and Winnipeg have kind of separated themselves, but Minnesota is still right there, too. So uh, how that shakes out will be very interesting to watch. Colorado has really been probably the, the number one team that I would say that has overperformed what we were expecting heading into the season. Uh, you know, they've had guys contribute. They've had young guys like Kerfoot step up periodically. Now Kerfoot's hit some slumps here and there, uh, and their D has been better than expected as well. In my opinion, uh, I didn't really expect a whole lot out of them. And without guys like Eric Johnson, who's been out for quite a while, they've still managed to do a pretty decent job. Now they're slumping lately, uh, but still getting points. They've got three uh, Varlamov's got three overtime losses in his last four appearances. One of those four appearances was a brief relief stint. Uh, and so we'll see kind of how it shakes out the rest of the way. Uh, but they need to start getting some wins if they're going to hold on and, and challenge for a playoff spot. And Columbus is a team that has to get things right the rest of the way to make the postseason as well. AJ, a couple of years ago, this team was, a, I think, really headed to the top upper echelons of the league with their size and their speed combination. But I think that they're, they've become a team that's 
in the bottom half when it tur- I talk about speed in the league, and so maybe they've missed the boat a little bit in terms of the way they've shaped their team. I don't like a couple of the moves they've got going right now. Uh, Nick Felino is a guy that they moved to center again, and we've talked about it a couple of times. It really hasn't worked out in either of the previous stints in the middle uh, in terms of his pr- productivity. And then Thomas Vanek in a third-line left-wing role uh, hasn't continued the season that he had in Vancouver, so that's two uh, tough situations there. They've won seven of their last eight, so at least uh, for now, Torch is pulling thing, the right strings of late, but I just wonder if, uh, if the mix on this team is enough to, uh, to get them to the promised land of the playoffs. I, I think they'll make the playoffs. What they do once they get there, I think, is a different question. You know, they, they do have Matt Calvert out. Josh Anderson's been out. Uh, Seth Jones dealing with an injury. So uh, there are some uh, contributing factors. But to your point, this is not a particularly fast club. Uh, you know, they're a little bit older than a lot of other teams in the league. Uh, they don't, in my opinion, they don't have like a handful of standout young guys who can really add a ton of speed. You know, Sonny Milano would check that box for me. But other than that, uh, you know, it's just a very different team. I, I think what's getting them the wins is that they play like their coach. They're a very physical, aggressive team. Uh, they work hard. Uh, and, and I think that's probably part of why we're not seeing Vanek produce as much because he's just not used to that in general. Uh, it doesn't really fit his style of play. And uh, Dallas is another team that's trying to find that right offensive mix. They moved Matthias Janmark up to the top line uh, in the last four games. He's only got one point to show for that. So I think there's going to be some more changes there. Radic Faxa has centered for Jamie Benn on a second line and hasn't put a shot on goal in his last two games. That's also a bit of a trouble spot. So it's stories like this behind a team with a with a, a bit of a scoring slide going on right now. They've only got eight goals scored in their last five games and missing Brian uh, Bishop in net in the last three games uh, it's a, with a knee injury that's sidelined him and has a few more days to go. It's just a bit of a tough situation right now in Dallas. They've got a difficult back-to-back in Toronto and Montreal the next two days. So a uh, critical juncture for them right now. Well, and I mean, it, it highlights the problems they're having uh, scoring goals. When you have Jason Spezza, on a on a fourth line uh, center role this is a guy that scored upwards of uh north of 30 goals on five different occasions uh several more years where he got over 20 and he hasn't scored a goal since uh january 16th when he had two against detroit that's a 23 game stretch for him without any goals just seven assists over that mark uh, and one other thing to point out here for him is a minus 10 rating over that stretch too so that they're they're giving up goals on top of not being able to score them. Obviously, that's a bad combination uh, for you know success in in any sport. If you give up more points than the other, <laughs> then you can score. You're not going to win, right? <laughs> pretty exactly. obvious, pretty obvious take there. But I do think the fact that a guy like Spezza, who they felt could still contribute, uh, really hasn't this season and, and seems to have really hit a wall uh, as far as his uh, offensive ability. Uh, AJ, the Red Wings are in a free fall with six straight losses. There's got to be a lot of guys at Madison who love the Wings that are just with their uh, chins on the floor right now. They're a lock to disappoint the Legion of fans with a second straight non-playoff season. As we noted last week, uh, Bertuzzi is getting a first left-wing shot, though he has four assists in a seven-game span. He has no goals and only seven shots on goal in that stretch. He's got to do better to hold on to that. And uh, youngster Evgeny Svechnikov is another new face who's getting a look 
on a third line at right wing. So it seems to me that Grand Rapids pipeline still bears watching and uh, might still be bearing fruit if they can still trot out guys that, that can get into the top three lines. These are just two of the names that have done so again this season. I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring a couple more guys up in the coming days. Uh, you know, give some more guys tryouts. I don't think anybody uh, that's a Wings fan was really shocked uh, at this point in the season. I think it was somewhat obvious that a, a rebuild was, you know, in the offing here, that things were going to get maybe worse before they got better. Obviously, they traded Tatar for a bunch of picks. So they're obvious, you know, they're clearly trying to change uh, the franchise right now, get some fresh blood in there. And so we'll see where it goes for, for me. I actually would also like to see them give Jared Coro a few more starts here. Um, give him some more opportunities to see what he can do at the NHL NHL level. They have a decision to make about Jimmy Howard coming up. And I think the 26 year old can really factor into that. If they give him a look in Edmonton, an odd bit of roster shuffling is occurring here too, with Ryan Nugent Hopkins getting a turn at first left wing while producing four points in his last four games. He's been holding down the second line center role and doing a pretty good job offensively of it. So I don't really get this move Uh, in another move related to it, Pugliarvi has been relegated to a third line role to make room. Despite a streak of three points on five games that preceded his last two starts, so uh, up front there's been a bit of a shakeup. On defense, they've also introduced us to Ethan Bear, who has a pair of assists in his first his uh, last two starts. And this kid has been seeing his playing time increase to almost 20 minutes a game. So there's a solid opportunity for him with his audition. So uh, Edmonton might be waving the white flag here. Yeah, I I honestly, I think Todd McClellan is probably going to be one of the first guys axed here at the end of the season. And and I don't have any uh, gripe with his coaching style. I think he's a a solid coach here. But when you have Connor McDavid on your team, you have to be doing better. And it's not like they don't have pieces around him that, you know, they've tried so many things. Camilleri, Lucic, uh, they brought in Pontus Aberg, you know, to your point, moving Nugent Hopkins. There's just nothing that seems to be working right now to get the whole team producing. McDavid is still having a a solid season, so you can't put any of the blame on him. He's got 84 points on the year. Uh, And so I I think you have to, you know, I've, I've seen this firsthand in Pittsburgh. When you have the talent, that top talent on the team, if the, you know, when the team's not producing, it, it falls on the coach, right or wrong. I think that's just the way it works out. Uh, so I would be a little surprised to see Todd McClellan still behind the bench heading into the 2018-19 season. I agree with that assessment. In Florida, this is a club that had points in nine straight games before losing their last tilt to Ottawa. The Panthers are now only three points out of a wild card spot. And while he's taken a, on a big share of the goaltending of late, Roberto Luongo has given up eight goals in his last two games. I wonder if it's time to give him a bit of a break and put James Reimer in the net, if only to give the veteran a bit of a breather. But they need him and to continue that hot streak of play that he was on before the last couple of uh, outings. Up front, Frank Vetrano. I thought he would be an interesting addition here, acquired from the Bruins at the trade deadline, being inserted into the third line right wing role and has already picked up a goal on eight shots in the two games that he's played while playing alongside Jared McCann, who himself has averaged two and a half shots on goal per game over his last six games. That's pretty good productivity out of the third line here. Uh, If they can get some secondary scoring from this group, it'll continue to push these guys toward a possible playoff run that I didn't really expect. Absolutely agree there, Paul. You know, the I think the key is the guys that you highlighted, some of those younger guys. You know, we know Huberto, Barkov, 
Trocek, Bukestad, those guys can put numbers together. Uh, they obviously added uh, Dadenoff this season. I think he's having a, a solid campaign for them back from uh, overseas, 52 points in 59 games. I mean, he's right behind a point per game pace. Uh, you would like to see with 52 points, you'd like to see his power play numbers a little bit higher, just five goals, seven assists with the man advantage. Um, but other than that, you know, has been a, a really solid addition to this team and essentially uh, uh, is the piece, in my opinion, that they replaced Yarmir Yager with. Uh, you know, they let Yager go, brought in Dadnoff, and, and I think he's hit the ground running. So uh, to your point, the playoff uh, run here is going to depend on guys like Dennis Malgan, Frank Vetrano, even a little bit on uh, a Maxi Ma- Mammon, who's not necessarily playing right now, but will probably factor in uh, a game or two here or there. In Los Angeles, this is yet another team that's shuffling their lines in an effort to stretch the lineup, AJ. Tobias Ryder has been inserted as the second line right, left wing alongside Carter and Lewis, while Pearson is once again dropped to the third line left wing with Kempe and Toffoli. That's some pretty good names that have been involved in scoring for this club over the last couple of years, stretching down into the third line. Something they haven't had much for uh, uh, most of this season, a third line scoring unit. Jonathan Quick is another workhorse who may be tiring a bit after allowing four goals against in two of his last three games. He's been holding the fort in the nets in great style before that run, so it might be time for him to get a bit of a game off and I think that's happening tonight with Jack Campbell going in the nets for LA against Arizona we'll tease that uh, start uh, when we get into the lineups we'll get into more detail about that in tonight's action yeah I think the interesting part here with with the quick Campbell thing is I, they may regret having gotten rid of Darcy Kemper uh, especially if they're going to need to rest quick uh, I think Campbell is just a little too untested a little too raw to really factor in full time here. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, obviously, the defense uh, got a little bit of, of a boost with Fanuff joining the team, uh, but he's really been all defense for them. Not a whole lot of offense coming from him, just six points. Uh, well, six points in 13 games, so actually not too bad. I was just looking at the total there. Uh, and so, you know, if they can get him uh, working on both ends, maybe taking on that contract won't seem quite as bad as we thought. Yeah, that's true. In Minnesota, the second line is being powered by a surge from Zach Parise, who for a couple of years was their top scorer here. He has six points in his last seven games, and Charlie Coyle on the opposite flank has six points in his last seven games as well. Both are benefiting from uh, Miko Koivu's playmaking, and that is a great support for one of the league's most talented and underrated at the same time top lines, which features, of course, Eric Stahl, who we've talked about and a lot, and Granlin and Zucker have uh, filled in admirably on the top scoring line there that a lot of teams, a lot of, lot of fans don't hear too much about. With their defense and goaltending behind this group in, in good order, this is a team that's going to be a tough playoff foe, I think. Absolutely. And I think uh, Eric Stahl must have found the fountain of youth up there in Minnesota. I mean, 37 goals. He's right there in contention with Ovechkin, Line and Malkin, uh, not far off the pace they're setting. Uh, And then I do want to correct one mistake on my part from last week. Our avid listener, Daniel Negreanu, was giving me a little uh, gruff on uh, on twitter for mispronouncing jared spurgeon's last name uh having said spurger on last week so it's jared spurgeon who continues to perform well 
four assists in his last four games, uh, nine block shots over that two of those helpers coming on the power play. So a great addition, uh, you know, for daily lineups as well as season long there. If we could ever get all three of us in a studio, I want to have a spelling bee with me, you, and Negrano on some of the player <laughs> names. That's a challenge I'll throw out to him. If we could ever get the three of us, maybe when we go to Vegas, we'll have some fun with that, with some of the French-Canadian names that are out there. <laughs> in Montreal, it's uh, forward line blender time again. Uh, Biron, or Byron, uh, depending on whether you're French-Canadian or English-speaking, has been <laughs> the center of much of the season and is now first line left wing. Uh, that's another move to see what they just what they have here. Another team that's in full audition mode. Jacob Delarose has four points in his last seven games and is now the team's second line center. I think that's his first turn in the middle of the ice as opposed to the wing position. And on the third line, they're carrying on Andrew Shaw and his $3.9 million cap for the next four years. That's looking like a big mistake here in Montreal. They've made a few of them at the pay window, I think. This is just one of them. Maybe not even as big as some of the others. But he has one point in his last seven games and is now cast in a third line center role so they're really mixing things up here they're getting next to nothing from top prospects Sherback and Lekkonen it's a bad scene in Montreal folks yeah and obviously injuries were the, were the key here I mean the the bulk of their money uh, is tied up in Carey Price at $6.5 million a year and Shea Weber at $7.8 million a year and both those guys are out and on IR uh, but it gets worse from there you know a youngster like Victor Mete gets hurt. Uh, you know, they're dealing with Denault is dealing with an injury. Pacioretty, uh, Alice Hemsky has been out forever. You know, so there's just a lot of guys here dealing with injuries. But to your point, that's when guys are supposed to step up, right? Uh, and I said that wrong, didn't I? I see you smiling there, Paul. It's Philip Deneau, rather. Uh, and so... <laughs> We'll try that again. But a lot of, uh, you know, the younger guys that are supposed to step up, be next man up and help with the team uh, are, are just not doing it. And so, yeah, it's really gone from bad to worse there. I think at this point, Canadian fans should be hoping uh, that their stock can rise as far as potentially winning a draft lottery. I guess I have had the benefit of studying French most of my life too here, AJ. So I got to <laughs> smile a little bit when, when they get, those names give you a little bit of trouble. I get it. Uh, in Nashville a couple of weeks ago, Torres, Kyle Torres was in a scoring slump that I noted, but he snapped out of it with seven points in his last 10 games. That's a decent pace for a second-line center, and I think he can even do better than that. Uh, it should be something he could easily maintain with the quality of the line mates that he's got right now in Kevin Fiala and Craig Smith. Ryan Hart Hartman has been a nice ad on as he's had four points in seven games since coming over from Chicago too I'm sure they'd like a bit more offense from Nick Bonino a guy that you know a little bit about but his shot rate is down a fair bit from what it's been over the last few seasons and that may just be on me for trying to find holes on this team though because there really aren't too many are there no, there really aren't. And and one thing that I don't think uh, either of us saw coming from the signing of Mike Fisher is they've been given guys who are relatively healthy, maybe dealing with a few bumps and bruises, nights off periodically here lately. I mean, Kyle Terrace was a scratch one night. Kevin Fiala served as a scratch. I think it's... It's indicative not only of where they are in the standings. Uh, they're six points clear of the Jets. Uh, they're uh, 13 points clear of Minnesota. So, you know, they've pretty much got a playoff spot locked up, barring any sort of significant collapse. And they've got a ton of depth. I mean, the guys not in the lineup right now are uh, Callie Yarnrock and Mika Salamaki. And I think both those guys could 
factor in uh, on any given night in favor of like a Colton Sissons or an Austin Watson. So uh, really interesting uh, decisions by the coaching staff there. One that I think they're hoping will pay off to have rested, uh, ready to go guys for the postseason. In New Jersey, a four and six mark in their last 10 games has left the Devils clinging to the last wild card spot. They have been limited by the absence of three veteran forwards, but expect to get one of them, Travis Zajac, back on their current road trip out west. Meanwhile, Marcus Johansson and Pavel Zaka are at least a few games away from their returns, so they need to get all hands on deck to protect that that uh, shaky playoff perch and maybe rely having to rely on a guy like a Nico Heischer who finally slipped out of a five-game pointless slide with a two-point effort last week he's tasked with taking on more of the up offensive slack until the rest of the cavalry gets back in the lineup and that's maybe a bit of a load for those young shoulders well, one player that really hasn't been shouldering any load, and it's been a long time since he has, is Drew Stafford. I mean, you look at this season, uh, played in 53 games, uh, so getting plenty of opportunities, but has just 12 points, and perhaps more concerning, a minus 23 rating. Uh, and unsurprisingly, he served as a healthy scratch in five uh, of their last nine games because both defensive lapses and just his inability to find the back of the net. I mean, this guy scored 31 goals and 21 assists in 2010-11 when he was with the Sabres, uh, put 50 points up in back-to-back seasons, but really, uh, since leaving Buffalo, has really, really struggled. Yes, in 15-16, he had 38 points with Winnipeg, but also a minus 23 rating. I mean, that's astronomical to score that much, but still have such a huge minus rating. That means something's really going wrong on the defensive end. And even though this isn't the exact same Devils team that we're used to, they score a little bit more. This has never been an organization that tolerates defensive mistakes. That's always been the key to how they play their game. And and it really just hasn't worked out with them bringing in Drew Stafford. And uh, to me, when we get to talking about the Islanders, they're kind of a situation like Carolina for me, AJ, in terms of a couple of guys on this squad that are dragging this team down and Brock Nelson and Andrew Ladd. Aside from that, though, uh, I want to talk about some of the fringe players on this team that are making a bit of an impact or some noise of late. Ross Johnson, for instance, has been a pretty good role player with three points in his last six outings, logging only 10 minutes a game. I'd like to see him get more of a role, but unfortunately for him, the Islanders left wing is very deep but maybe he'd be more productive on the opposite wing and that he could be rewarded with that opportunity because young Tanner Fritz who's been over on the right side has only one point in his last seven games in the nets with Thomas Grice out of the lineup Yarrow Halak has wilted under the heavy workload and the club's current 2-4-4 and slide in the last 10 could mark the end of their playoff hopes once again this season well, it's interesting you mentioned Halak's struggles and how they've performed recently. On the flip side, you've got youngster Christopher Gibson coming in. Uh, has just one win in his three appearances, but those two losses were overtime losses. Uh, so he's looked actually really good. He's faced up uh, north of 50 shots on two of those three occasions, so certainly not getting any help there. Uh, you know, hard to really pin that on him. I think he's in line for a pretty big raise. Uh, if he continues to perform this well, making just 650000 this year, going to be an unrestricted free agent after the season. I honestly think the Islanders would do well to sign him to an extension now uh, and then let Halak walk at the end of the year. I know uh, Grice has dealt with some injuries. They've got him under contract for another two seasons at a relatively reasonable $3.3 3 So for me, I think Christopher Gibson 
is angling for a, a potential look at taking over uh, the starting job here in New York and, and could, based on his numbers, do a pretty decent job. Gee, it's another Leaf prospect that escaped, and that hasn't happened before, has it? <laughs> Some guy named Tuka Rask has been haunting the Leaf franchise for years. <laughs> the New York Rangers, in their last season, the Rangers can point to uh, Kevin Hayes as a solid piece among some of the rubble here, as he's put together another campaign that'll net him more than 40 points, along with the best shot on goal rate of his four years in the league. Meanwhile, Jimmy Vesey has proved to be unworthy of all the hype around him and his signing from last season. Uh, so we can talk about that, agree or disagree. I'm curious to hear your opinion, but there was a lot of hype around this guy not so long ago. It's evaluations like these that are the current assignments for a retooling Ranger club. Who do they keep and who do they discard is the next step. Well, I I agree with you on Jimmy Vesey. I just don't think he's lived up to any of the expectations. I honestly thought that whole situation was way overblown to begin with. I, I didn't see him as this. He was being treated like some sort of generational talent that was going to come in with all these teams, uh, my club included, uh, trying to sway him to sign with them. And at this point, I'm glad we didn't, uh, you know, stay in New York. As far as I'm concerned, uh, it really hasn't panned out there. I think there's only a handful of guys that should really consider themselves like in a secure spot here. Uh, Nemesikov, Zuccarella, Zabinajad, that might be about it. Uh, you know, obviously I'm being a little facetious here, but this team is going to look at a total rehaul here. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk suffered a, um, a setback. He's going to be out for even longer. It looks like Henrik Lundqvist is struggling. He's not, uh, they're actually going with the backup against Pittsburgh, uh, you know, here in a, in a few days. So, you know, it's just a very weird dynamic on what's going on there. You almost wonder if Henrik has kind of thrown in the towel watching his club having done the same on the year. And in Ottawa, they're going through their own turmoil of a last season, AJ. But Matt Duchesne has certainly found his group with 29 points over his last 30 games. So getting it right uh, finally after some early troubles is good news for him and for the Ottawa club. Ryan Zingle is an interesting case. His scoring rate is still over 17% despite not bulging the, bulging the twine only twice in his last seven games. He's, he's getting top line minutes next to Duchesne and is still only averaging less than two shots per game over his last eight contests. They got to get more out of him in that, in that situation mark stone had a 10 game point streak snapped by his leg injury that'll keep him out of their florida trip early this week and that's something all, all players look forward to but they're hoping that he returns by next weekend to continue his his strong campaign yeah i would expect somebody else is going to get a look on that that left wing uh, line sooner rather than later uh, bobby ryan would be the leading candidate in my opinion but Puyarvi could certainly get a look. Uh, even Max McCormick, the, the youngster, uh, you know, we've seen that work with other teams where you put uh, a young guy who really doesn't, uh, you know, is relatively untested, but also on the same time goes out there and just plays with abandon uh, because they're, you know, excited to be playing up in the NHL. So uh, any one of those guys, I think at some point will probably uh, drop, uh, you know, him from that top line. Uh, so expect that to be pretty fluid uh, going forward. I think the only guy, you know, that's probably not going to get a look there is probably Marion Gabrick. I don't think they're really uh, concerned about seeing what he can offer. I think they pretty much know what they're getting with him. In Philadelphia, my co-host, host, my co-host is undoubtedly keeping a close eye on this club's 
his club's arch rival here as the Flyers have chased down the perennial top two clubs in this division. Familiar with, familiar with uh, Claude Giroux, right up there with the team leaders and league leaders in points. He's got 15 points in his last 17 games, and he'd get my vote for comeback player of the year if there was such an award in the NHL. I don't like the move, though, of rookie Oscar Lindbaum to the second left wing as he's been blanked in his first 11 games as a pro. Maybe they're just doing it so he finally gets on the score sheet because they got a lot of other good players up front that he should really, uh, he should get a goal or point by accident playing up in that level. Uh, surely a switch is in order though if he doesn't get it done in the near term yeah and they've been getting good production uh from wayne simmons in his return uh four games back it took a little bit but an, a goal and an assist in those four games 10 shots on goal over that stretch including five against the golden knights the other the other day so uh plenty of opportunities power play time really don't want to be scared off about by the fact that he's currently in a third line role uh that seems to be pretty fluid with this team in fact you might you know if it weren't for nolan patrick's name being listed in the second line center you might almost consider this third line to be a top six line with simmons philpula and michael raffle right now so uh i definitely think a daily contest season long wayne simmons is kind of one of the the underrated players here because that top line just gets so much attention and now we get to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Look at Evgeny Malkin has been by far the top point producer over the past several weeks in the entire NHL. He's making a mockery of the scoring race in that term of late and has a chance to take the season scoring race outright if he continues this pace. That makes his wingers, Carl Hagelin and Patrick Hornquist, top DFS op- options on a nightly basis because you're going to get them a heck of a lot cheaper than you will get the big pivot here. On defense, Brian DeMoulin is also a guy that was looking good in DFS play for a while collecting points in four straight games but he's gone radio silent in his last six starts even though he's playing alongside Chris Letang much of that time but he's not really noted as an offensive force is he AJ we'll get to your opinion in a sec and in goal though the the news that you want to hear about is the fact that Matt Murray is just starting to face shots in individual sessions away from his teammates so still a few days away at least and uh, I'm sure you can't wait and so can a legion of Pittsburgh Penguin fans Absolutely. I mean, the key is to get Matt Murray healthy for the playoffs. Uh, whether he comes back this week or next week, I don't really care as long as he's ready to go uh, for game one of the opening series. Uh, to your point about Brian Dumoulin, yeah, he that four-game stretch is an aberration. It's, it's definitely not the rule. Uh, you look at his stats, he's got four goals this season. Uh, in his previous you know, two full seasons and two partial years combined, he has two. Uh, so he's not going to score a lot of goals for you. Um, just kind of uh, an anomaly of, of what his role is. His job really is to be that defensive half uh, of that pairing in order to allow Chris Letang to get up into the play. Uh, Brian Rust is uh, was a full participant at practice today. He should be back soon. So that will kind of change those line combinations. I, I would have to speculate that Hornquest would go back up to the first line with Crosby. Russ would start playing with Malkin and Hagelin uh, as he was before getting hurt. And then that probably puts Sheary uh, possibly on a, on a fourth line role with, uh, you know, Josh Joris, Carter Rowney, some kind of combination there. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out, but you'll definitely want to keep, you know, using Sheary right now in, in DFS play uh, and season long is a good call. He's up with Sid you know, you're always going to get points that way. And Hornquist, obviously flipping Malcolm for Crosby won't be a huge dip for him. Uh, but Brian Rust reintroduction really makes you have to keep an eye out on what's going on there. 
In San Jose, Evander Kane is apparently enjoying life here, AJ, with a point-per-game pace on the first line with Pavelski and Yunus Donskoy, who is also enjoying one of the most productive stretches of his career. So you got to credit the man in the middle, and he was pushed there by Joe Thornton's injury. So all power to to Joe Pavelski here. Speaking of productive stretches, the second D pairing of Vlasic and Braun has the former Vlasic headed to uh, his best offensive total in years, while Braun has already set a new personal best, so they're taking a little bit of the pressure off Brent Burns, but make no mistake, Burns is still one of the most feared offensive catalysts around the league, so some good news uh, right from the net out to the forwards here, a San Jose team that is quietly going about its business and looks to be a serious contender out west. Well, and they haven't ruled out Jumbo Joe for the season. Still talk he could come back here at some point, uh, and that would be a huge reintroduction to the lineup to have him there. Uh, another situation to monitor. Now, Thornton's probably not going to be back uh, real soon. He's probably still a few weeks away. Um, but when he comes in, that's going to shuffle things up, and you really have to keep an eye on that. Uh, we can't recommend the, the Rotowire depth chart enough. That's something that our breaking news team, myself included, is constantly editing throughout the day as news comes out, uh, and it's really crucial to know. Uh, and then, Paul, we kind of tipped our hat to it earlier. Martin Jones has been phenomenal for, for them lately. Uh, even his loss, you know, his most recent loss was one goal allowed Hard to really blame that on him. I, I put that more on the offense than on the netminder in that situation. So, uh, you know, a good, good run of form, good stretch for him. Uh, and so everything does, to your point, seem to really be starting to click for this club. In St. Louis, there's a lot of lot going on here. The Blues are expecting to get Joel Edmondson back on defense, and that'll be a nice add on the, the club's defensive structure, which has already been pretty good in his absence of late. Jake Allen in goal has regained his top form, allowing only five goals over the three games played last week, shutting down concerns over the spike in goals allowed in the previous week's play. So all things in order in St. Louis's back end. Up front, I'm surprised by one of the moves, and that's Kyle Brodziak uh, being very productive in a recent turn at second center with four points in his last five games. So uh, while they lost a guy at the trade deadline and Paul Stastny, they may have found a replacement in Brodziak if he continues with this recent surge. Well, you talked about uh, the Maple Leafs missing out on some uh, goaltending prospects that are now playing for other clubs. One guy they clearly have not missed out on is Nikita Shashnikov. Uh, has, uh, you know, just has an assist in just his six games. Really, his shots on goal is 10, uh, so less than two per game. Uh, no block shots in that in that stretch. A couple of hits, but really has been pretty unproductive for them. And his ice time is showing it. It's just 11:05. Uh, you know, in the first in his first game uh, for the Blues, he played 15 and a half minutes, then 13. Uh, you know, about 13 and a half, and then since then it's been all under 10. So a good call by the Maple Leafs to let this guy walk uh, and to get something else for him because he just hasn't lived up to expectations over in tampa boy this team is exceeding expectations even though i cast them as the favorite in the nhl their nine wins in the last 10 games has them pulling away from the high rent district of the atlantic division over boston and toronto making sure that those two teams are going to meet in the first round of the playoffs i think we can lock that in right now jt miller has moved on to the top line while putting up 
uh, putting together a very nice offensive streak. Look, I expected this from him. He's getting a chance to play with with some really good talent. He was uh, a key to a lot of things the Rangers did offensively. He didn't get a lot of the ink that he should have, in my opinion. Six points in his five past five games. Just the tip of the iceberg for this guy, I think. The Bolts also brought up a youngster, Anthony Sorelli, and put him in a third-line role and watched him collect five points in his first five games. That's It's a case of the rich getting richer here, AJ. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, McDonough is in uh, has played a game now with with them uh, coming back from injury. This is a club that's still also missing Andre Palat, who uh, is consistently sporting a non-contact jersey at practice. So when he returns remains kind of a mystery. Uh, uh, other good news on the injury front, Peter Budai has been called back from his conditioning assignment, and that's going to let them rest up Andre Vasilevsky here. Uh, there've been a lot of talk recently about how his, uh, you know, he's dealing with the the heavy workload. Uh, you know, last year was his first time playing north of 50 games. Uh, he's at 56 already. He'll for sure hit 60. Uh, and so because they need to get him ready, yes, he's been winning games lately, which is all well and good. Um, but you don't need a tired, you know, net miner heading into the playoffs. So I, I would expect Peter Budai to see a good number st- of starts on uh, the rest of the way. In Toronto, the tandem of Marner and Kadri continues to power the Leafs offense, and they have now been separated to see if they can each ignite a top line in the absence of Austin Matthews. Leo Komarov is back with Kadri on the second line, which I do not like. That failed miserably in the first half of the season. I do like Kapanen's game, and he's still in the fourth line role. That makes no sense to me. I hope they get that right sooner rather than later. In terms of Matthews, he's skating again and is projected to return to the lineup possibly this coming Saturday against Montreal, if not sooner. And uh, a couple of notes about their next game. Top prospect Andreas Johansson, who's fourth in the American League in scoring, is going to make his NHL debut tomorrow night. Uh, That makes the fourth line look a lot stronger to my mind and makes them look four deep offensively in terms of the units they can throw out there. Pretty good offensive depth in Toronto that I have never seen like this before. Callie Callie Rosen is back up on defense too because of a couple of bumps and bruises to the bottom pairing there. Uh, Travis Dermott will be out of the lineup to make room for him. So I'll be interested to see who matches up with Rosen in that third tandem yeah I mean it looks like it'll be Connor Carrick to start here but uh, you know Dermot and and Zaitsev are dealing with and both dealing with illnesses so you never know when they might be healthy and ready to go Uh, and a great point by you Paul I mean obviously you know these guys better uh, than anybody else but that fourth line is really a a very dynamic group there uh, you know with uh, with Johnson up I I think uh, Honestly, they could probably be a third line on most other clubs. I think there's a handful of teams. You'd probably put them as a second line as well. I mean, Thomas Placanic is a, is a certified veteran who knows how to score and putting him with two really young, speedy guys, I think is going to look really good on the ice and, and make this a very, very dangerous team. In Vancouver, the roster shuffling continues here, too, on the top line as Tyler Mott is now skating at the first line right wing, though he didn't play any uh, last game at all. Uh, the starboard side is in disarray right now, uh, for sure. I suspect UC Okanen is a candidate for a top six role there after notching two goals in his last three games. Also, Dave, Dave, Darren Archibald, a 27-year-old minor leaguer, was recently signed and will get a shot on that left wing in an audition as well. So there's a lot of movement uh, of the pieces up front in Vancouver. Yeah, and it's all due to the injuries. I mean, you got Bershey on IR, Brendan Gauntz, Brock Besser, Marcus Granlin, Louis Erickson, uh, just a ton of forwards dealing with injuries here. 
Uh, and so it makes it makes it really hard to put together any sort of consistent lines uh, with guys constantly getting hurt. And so I would expect to see a lot more shuffling the rest of the way as they just try and figure out what's going to work best for success. And it comes to our turn to talk about the Las Vegas club, the Vegas Golden Knights. With all the injuries here, others are getting an unexpected shot. One, Thomas Heike has returned, has turned a few heads of late with a couple of points and an average of two shots on goal through his eight-game audition since the call-up, mostly in a third-line role. That's pretty good productivity back there. Nate Schmidt is a guy that they've missed uh, in the defensive ranks, and he returned to his first-pairing role after a four-game absence to bring some stability back to that group as well. They're still missing four regular forwards and that may be a blessing in disguise though with an unexpected playoff appearance around the corner here for a team where a lot of these guys haven't played so many minutes in any of the seasons in their career so I'm saying it's a blessing in disguise Uh, some people who are real fans of this club really wanted to see them contend for that top seed in the NHL they don't need to they've already shocked shocked the hockey world and uh, if they can get things aligned in the playoffs they are still in line for a pretty decent playoff run in my opinion. Well, and it all starts and stops with Marc-Andre Fleury, who picked up win number 400 uh, last night. In an interesting twist of fate, he picks up his 400th win against the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that he terrorized for 12 seasons with the Penguins. Uh, He has now 28 wins against uh, the Flyers in his career. That's 7% of all of his wins have come against Philadelphia. Uh, I'm sure he was motivated to play them. You know, yes, it might not be his main rival anymore, but you know, those, those type of feelings and and rivalries don't, don't die quite so easily. So uh, I expect that was a big game for him. He was excited to get it. And Hey, if he can keep helping Pittsburgh without being on the club, more power to him. But uh, (laughs) so to celebrate that I am, uh, as Paul mentioned, I am wearing my Las Vegas Golden Knights jersey, a Mark Andre Fleury jersey that I got uh, for my for my birthday here, uh, and enjoying sporting that, especially when they play against the Flyers. In Washington, the Caps have turned the goalie range to their backup to rest Holtby a little bit after he got shelled for four goals in Anaheim last week. Philip Grubauer has responded with only four goals against over the span of those games to keep them in first place in the Metro Division to your chagrin, I'm sure. A team-wide scoring funk over the last four games, though, looks much worse if you take away the great eights part in that uh, mix we'll talk about him in a minute or two no one else is really doing much of anything all of a sudden offensively their best news is a totally healthy lineup though and uh, the fact that on defense john carlson is the top point producer with a point per game rate in his last seven games he's headed to the pay window in a big way in the offseason here so i'll be curious to see what kind of dollars and cents go next to his name in the offseason well, I think what's interesting here, you got to talk about the net mining situation. Uh, Braden Holpe, to be completely blunt, has been a disaster of late. Uh, one five and two in his last eight games with a 4.82 goals against average. As a result, they've turned to Philip Grubauer in the last three games. What I think was most interesting about this is uh, when they asked Holpe about it, he admitted that Grubauer is giving them the best chance to win on a night to night basis. He's going to take the time to hopefully get his head right get his game right and focus uh, on getting back to being the netminder he he expects to be and people uh, anticipate he will be I think what's interesting is he's very clearly not going to hit the 60 game mark this year he's only at 48 
you know, the last, the prior three seasons, he played 63 games or more, including 73 games in 2014, 15. So, uh, how this shakes out heading into the postseason, whether this little break is going to be good for him, if it'll be more of the same from from what we're used to, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I do think it's very interesting that they seem to have turned over the reins to Philip Grubauer uh, to give Holpe a, a chance to figure it out. He will. I'm confident. <laughs> in Winnipeg, <laughs> in Winnipeg, Patrick Laine has continued a scoring binge, while the defensive structure here continues to thrive without three regulars in that li- part of the lineup. I think they're missing uh, Mark Shifley more in this injury stint, though, than they were the first time around, because really, Brian Little d- hasn't insulated uh, his loss uh, like he did the first time around. Little has only got one assist in his last eight games. He's got to do much better than that. For, the, for his part, though, Paul Stastny is certainly pulling his share of the rope with seven points in his last six games. So uh, what's going on up the middle of the ice needs to be fixed, and uh, Shifley's uh, quick return would be the best antidote. Well, it's indicative of what, what the problem is that they're having there, that they're going to move Jack Roslavic over uh, into the center position. They're going to get Sean Mathias back. He should play. Uh, might play tonight most likely I think we'll see him there so a little bit of bottom six shuffling uh, I originally thought maybe Paul Stastny would get the spot uh, on that top line and replace the Mark Shifley but having seen what he was doing with Ehlers and line a, I certainly understand they didn't want to break that group up uh, and so I think they're going to ride it out I think Brian Little will continue to take that top center spot with Wheeler and Kyle Connor, uh, you know, until Shifley is ready to go. I don't think any of their other center options would really do any better. And I just don't see any good coming from breaking up Ehlers, Stastny and Line. They've just been so good uh, since Stastny joined the team. And uh, now, AJ, we turn our attention to our primary sponsor FanDuel look at I've had a ton of fun playing hockey I've played more hockey this year on FanDuel than ever before and I think I'm really onto something in terms of a formula for success I've been on fire for the last month to be very blunt and the followers of ours know that that I've been doing well and you've been doing well and uh, we got we've got our our secrets I think but I think it's time to share some of them as the season winds down uh, and people can look to planning in the off season and next year to dominate FanDuel just as we have all season long for me a Jay, it's it's the stack feature that that we have here the ability to put three or four uh, players from a team on uh, together and I look no further than like second line depth and maybe first pairing situations in and look for discounts where I can in those ranges for teams that I think can win their games and then the goalie has to be right you need that fundamentally to succeed so that's that's what I'm taking advantage of I used to stretch my lineup out and pick players from about seven teams I don't think that's the path to success yeah, I do try and also isolate my teams a little bit. I haven't been stacking quite as much uh, lately. Uh, I've been trying to just key in on guys who are getting shots. I mean, that's really the key. If you're not putting the puck to the net, you're not scoring goals. I mean, that's just straight up how it works, right? And so uh, for me, that's kind of been my approach is uh, especially when I'm looking for depth. You know, obviously, I'm, if I'm going to use Paul Stastny tonight or, or Patrick Laine or something like that, I'm not worried about how many shots they had in the previous game. These are heavy goal scoring options. Um, but, you know, when you're looking for kind of those depth guys, I really like to key in on guys that get shots. Now, one uh, kind of unique format that they're, they've been launching lately is the single game option. Uh, they're going to have that tonight for the Colorado Minnesota game. Uh, you pick uh, a handful of guys. So you pick a captain who gets a point and a half, three forwards, two defensemen, 
don't have to worry about the goalie in this one because obviously there'd only be two options so if goalie has been one area you've really been struggling in in keying into the right guy maybe take a look at that single game slate and and see what you can do there and aj i'm going to tease the fact that even though i don't think we're scheduled to do a pod you and i for the baseball season i'm going to be doing some writing i think and i'm going to offer my tips in written form i'll be directing people to a column in the next coming weeks where they can see my baseball picks on a on a daily basis i'm going to try and do this uh, to see if i can help people win money in the baseball part of the fan duel uh, setup so i uh, hope some listeners are excited about that possibility because uh, baseball is kind of my 1B in terms of what I think I know about the sports sphere uh, behind <laughs> hockey. Uh, let's get into our FanDuel DFS segment, AJ, and why don't you run through the first half of tonight's seven-game slate, and I'll handle the later starts. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start off with uh, the Bruins against Carolina coming in off a, uh, a back-to-back there for the Hurricanes. Uh, that's a 7 o'clock start. Should be a pretty interesting game uh, to watch. You've got, you know, Rask against uh, likely Cam Ward. Boston's the the favorite in this one at a minus 135. You've got the Stars at Montreal, the Canadians coming off a of back-to-back. They'll go with my favorite netminder, Antti Niemi, tonight uh, <laughs> against Kerry against Lettinen, another his shirt guy that too? I... Hold on. Do you have his shirt? Yeah, too? I really... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy it for you and send it to you. Nice. I know how much you need a Habs jersey. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, it'll be him against Kerry Lettinen. Uh, Dallas is a heavy favorite in that one, minus 190. Uh, the big one signer tonight is the 730 game. Senators coming off a of back-to-back. Who They're going to use Mike Condon. Uh, going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, minus one, uh, minus three twenty in that game. Uh, Vasilevsky will get the start, uh, so not a huge surprise that they're such heavy favorites. You got the Jets coming off a of back-to-back as well. They're in Nashville against the Predators. Uh, Hutchinson's going to be the goalie tonight, so they're going to go with the backup there for the Jets. Uh, and the Predators are minus one eighty-five in that one. So another kind of really one sided game so that's the early slate and how that breaks down paul what about uh, some of the later games here aj before i get into that i gotta tell you a quick story my wife bought a roll of habs toilet paper tried to bring it home <laughs> i didn't allow it in the house i threw it directly into the dumpster so that tells you how much I dislike the Montreal Canadiens team right there, I think, in spades. To handle the nighttime part of the slate, we got three games, one at 8.30 with Colorado and Minnesota, Varlamov and Dubnik, the expectant uh, tenders of the twine, with Minnesota getting the heavy lean with a minus 200 uh, uh, money line in their favor, the over-under set at six. Then we got the Battle of Alberta, which is not much of a battle uh, this season. The homestanding <laughs> Calgary Flames, a minus 170 favorite, the over-under set at six for that nine o'clock start it's Talbot and Smith the expected netminders uh, one is disappointed the other one certainly not your favorite but certainly a guy that I think has uh, been as good as expected and I thought he would be good in Calgary and that's Mike Smith then the late game where I'm going to pick my goalie from this matchup I'll leave it to our listeners to guess until we get to the lineups momentarily the 10 o'clock start features young Jack Campbell the expected starter against Arizona and Darcy Kemper the uh, visitors are the favorite here, a minus 130, the over-under at, set at a low 5.5. Let's get to those lineups, AJ. Uh, why don't you tell us, uh, first of all, which game do you think that you're going to be watching more than others? And uh, then we'll get into your picks. Yeah, absolutely. For me, the game is uh, Jets at Nashville. I think, uh, you know, a matchup of two of the top teams here in the central division. Uh, and, you know, the Jets aren't uh, certainly aren't out of it. 
they're six points back so a little bit of a climb but getting two on nashville uh you know could be a huge step there uh, i do think the predators are going to be hard to beat they're solid at home the jets are coming off the back-to-back but i still think that's the game of the night for me uh no doubt uh, as far as my lineup goes, you know, I, I anticipate some goals in this matchup. I know Pekka Rene has been really solid lately, um, but I think the Jets can put some in on him. I am going to go with Paul Stastny here. His, stat, uh, his price tag is still coming in at 5900 As long as Stastny is under $6,000, i am probably going to use him on most nights uh, that the Jets are playing. I think his, that, that total is just too low for what he's producing. Uh, Michael Backlund for 5400 He's been performing well lately, uh, and conversely, Cam Talbot has not been. So a good matchup there. Maybe a good night to stack some Calgary Flames. Certainly uh, couldn't begrudge you that. Going to spend a bunch of money here on my wingers. Now, starting with Patrick Laine, who's been absolutely on fire, 8400 uh, It's a high price tag, but I think he's worth uh, utilizing tonight. And then I, I kind of hate myself for doing this, but I am going to go with Brad Marchand at 8100 uh, he's a game time call. So obviously I'll have to adjust that, but the matchup with Carolina is a good one for them. Uh, and Marchand, you know, despite all the antics on the ice is a fantastic player. I mean, he's got, uh, five goals in his last four games, plus another two assists. He's regularly putting four plus shots on goal every night. Uh, and so really just a DFS stud here and 8,100 is again, a lot to pay. So on the flip side, I had to find some guys that were a little cheaper, uh, starting off with Alex Galchenyuk for Montreal. Uh, I like the matchup against Kerry Lettinen. Galchenyuk has put up uh, 11 shots in his last three games. I mentioned looking for guys that put pucks on that, and he is definitely one of them. And then the other guy is Alex Iofalo for 4000 Pretty cheap price tag to get for a guy uh, who's going to get top uh, top line minutes. Now, granted, uh, you know, his shot total isn't as great. He's pointless in his last three. Uh, but if you catch him when he's hot, you know, he'll go on a little bit of runs here and can certainly produce. And for $4,000, I'm willing to take that risk. Uh, on the blue line, a pair of, uh, you know, guys who are a little underrated, but Matthias Ekholm, 4,200. Uh, he's got a goal in his most recent outing. Pretty consistent shot guy here, too. Adds a handful of blocks from time to time. I like, uh, you know, again, the Nashville-Winnipeg matchup, I think, is going to be pretty go- uh, high goal scoring. And then Mikhail Sergeyev Sir- uh, for 4,200. Uh, great matchup for Tampa going uh, against Ottawa. He's got three assists in his last two games. I think he can continue to produce. Uh, and then for me, uh, look, I mentioned the the, st- uh, the money line here. I think you have to use Andre Vasilevsky tonight. There's a handful of backups that you could take a flyer on, but it just wasn't a risk I was willing to take. Uh, you know, you've got Hutchinson going. Uh, you know, Rene is is playing, uh, likely playing, but he's facing a Jets team that knows how to score. Uh, you know, there just weren't any combinations that I felt really good about. Uh, down the list. So I started right at the top in my goaltender, 9,400 for Andre Vasquez, the most expensive uh, goaltender on the night. So that's what I did. Uh, Paul, looks like you made uh, some pretty significant uh, different decisions here. Yeah, I did. I went with Jeff Carter. He's been a scoring machine for LA for as long as he's been there. And offensively, I don't think there's anybody on the other side in Arizona who's going to contain him. 
uh, and his skill set for $6,500. That's one of the better values, I think, on the night. Braden Point, we've talked about him every week when we've done this segment. This week, it's my turn to fit him in again at 6400 against a, an Ottawa team that has uh, not got things right on the back half of their lineup in defense and in goal. So I think he could feast, and so could the rest of the team there, for that matter. And I'm looking at a comeback game of sorts here for Alexander Radilov, a rare visit back to Montreal where he enjoyed his uh, career and his time uh, in uh, La Belle Provence, I'll say. And uh, so I'm sure he's had this date circled on his calendar for a while, and I'm happy to pay 6300 for him. I spoke of JT Miller fitting in like a glove in Tampa. I think he continues his recent hot streak, and I'm surprised the price tag's only $5,900. Then I'm going to go to Boston and say, if even if uh, Marchand plays, Jake DeBrun, is worth a look at $4,700. He's been a fine offensive contributor in a, t- a lineup that's stretched uh, quite nicely and been a very productive part of it for $4,700. Money well spent, in my opinion, as well. I also spoke about Zach Parise and his recent surge in terms of scoring. $6,100 a price tag. That's, I think, low for what he's returning right now. So I'm happy to say that it leaves me a lot of money to spend on defense. Uh, I've got Tory Krug and Dougie Hamilton there, the linchpins of their respective clubs on the power play and uh, certainly going to play over 20 minutes both of them playing against teams that uh, aren't playing at the top of their game right now with Carolina and Edmonton providing the opposition in goal I'm going to take a bit of a chance here with Jack Campbell thinking that Los Angeles's structure is just too much for Arizona right now and I get a cheap goalie win out of Campbell here in his third appearance this season for only $7,300 that's the way my lineup looks fairly different from yours so I'll be curious to see what what the return is here AJ and in terms of fairly different I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about the optimizer tonight yeah, so the optimizer is going to start off with uh, your guy, Jeff Carter, 6,500, uh, and then uh, made a slight tweak to remove the opposing team of, of the suggested netminder here. So Michael Backlund coming in for Calgary at 5,400 as the other center. Uh-huh. Uh, and then a big kind of Winnipeg stack here for um, for the optimizer tonight. It starts off with Nikita Kucherov for Tampa, 8,900, but then from there, it's Blake Wheeler at 72, Kyle Connor at 44, and Matthew Perot at 4,000. So using three uh, Winnipeg, uh, you know, wingers here, uh, and then defensively doing a, a Tampa Bay stack uh, with Victor Hedman at 6,400 and Ryan McDonough at 4,900. Uh, and then finally, the last uh, piece here is the optimizer likes Michael Hutchinson tonight uh, for the Jets at at 7,300. That's a little risky of a play for me. So if I was going to use this lineup, I'd probably use it in a GPP uh, over a cash game for sure. But uh, certainly uh, would be a contrarian pick, I think, to use Michael Hutchison tonight. I agree with you completely on that assessment. Well, you already touched on one of the studs of the week, and you have an opportunity to say more about Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm also going to include... Uh, Alex Ovechkin, AJ, in the discussion. 600 goals, the fourth fastest to get there. For Fleury, he's the second fastest to get to 400 wins. One game uh, more than another goalie. I'll give you a chance to take a guess who that might be. Oh, man, it's it's not coming to me. I'm going to say Patrick Waugh for lack of a, a better option. Well, he's an active player, and he's in New York, and it's the New York Rangers' own Henrik Lundqvist took one more game, so it was in your division, but really a good guess there with Patrick Waugh. He's on the short list as well uh, of the guys that did it the fastest, but uh, kudos to both these guys, great players in their own right, and for my money, when you talk Ovechkin, you might be talking about the best goal scorer of all time, considering what he has to work with and the time that he's playing. 
against a goaltending group that is the best ever uh, that we've ever seen in hockey. So a tremendous achievement for him. You know when they set up on the power play, you know they're trying to feed him every single time. So even though you know what's coming, this guy still fills the net. So I tip my hat to Alex Ovechkin in this achievement, just as I do with Marc-Andre Fleury and his uh, race to the 400-win plateau and just one of the league's good guys. There's a guy that lives close to me and he runs a sporting goods business. AJ, you'll appreciate this. He says the nicest guy that he deals with in terms of the autograph things uh, that he sets up is by far Mark andre Fleury. Uh, really good guy on and off the ice and uh, kudos to him for the success that he's enjoyed to date. Yeah, I... I was uh, obviously sad to see Fleury leave, but I, I think he was a great uh, pickup by Vegas. Uh, it's it's that attitude on and off the ice that I think makes him invaluable to that club, especially as an expansion franchise. Uh, you need kind of that role model ask uh, player to really be there, uh, you know, to be the linchpin of the club. And I think he can certainly offer that. And to what you said about Ovechkin, I certainly uh, wouldn't begrudge that that uh, statement there. Perhaps the best goal scorer uh, that we've ever seen, uh, you know, based on on where we're looking now. Obviously, in the day and age, he's never going to approach Gretzky's numbers. Nobody ever will. Um, but for for today's game and and this generation, definitely the best goal scorer, best player. That's a different discussion. But I'll for sure seed uh, best goal scorer there for Alexander Ovechkin, and, and a great job by him getting in number six hundred. And now it comes to the rant of the week, and I don't want to go repetitive here, but I think we have to. We have another week and another Marshawn scene that is of questionable nature, and another goal crease, goal scored issue in the game that we were both focused on, and I'm willing to concede. Let's go with the latter first, AJ. We had a player cutting across the crease with a puck in his possession, and he nicked the skate of Freddie Anderson, causing him to lose his stride and, and go off kilter, but the guy's a puck carrier coming into the net and you have to give him the opportunity to make a play at the goal i don't begrudge him for making that play and making the goal if he just kind of grazes the goalie and the goalie does a belly flop uh to make it look worse much worse than it was here so a very questionable situation to add to the numbers that we've seen i'll remind you last year when our teams met uh alex i mean uh your big senator malkin scored the overtime winning goal on a play that was much worse than than that one when he when he ran right over james reimer without making an attempt to make a move on the puck he just kind of bulled his way like a, a rusher going over the goal line that goal was allowed to score <laughs> and so this one was less much less egregious uh, a play and much more skilled play where the goalie was just clipped marginally i'll say and one that i would rather have seen count as opposed to the one that malkin scored last year if i can use the comparison and in terms of the Mar- marchand scene look i don't know what this guy was trying to do when he turned the corner and and got his arms up uh, was he protecting himself but both players went flying the guy that he hit is out with a serious injury once again and marchand is sitting out a couple of games i'm wondering I'm not going to accuse anybody, but I'm just wondering if this was a ploy by the Boston Bruins. I'll throw that out there. I, I, I'd like to think that uh, Marshawn was ser- sincerely uh, up, I- injured as well, but boy, I have my, my doubts when I see the play uh, over and over there. It just looked kind of fishy to me. Well, yeah, to touch on the, the Dumoulin play, you know, I, I think he actually tried to avoid contact as much as possible, which we've talked about is, you know, what they're supposed to do. You have to try and avoid contact. And I feel like he actually did 
uh, while still trying to score a goal and in possession of the puck. And that was a really big uh, moment in the game. You know, instead of the Penguins scoring a goal, uh, the Leafs got a power play and they scored on that power play opportunity. So that's, you know, a two goal swing uh, in what, you know, otherwise may have been a lot closer game. Uh, so they need to, you know, this is borderland bordering on like what is and isn't a catch in the NFL. What is and isn't goaltender interference? I think they have some serious questions that they need to answer in the offseason. Uh, as far as Marshawn goes, I think it's also interesting to note that he was just hit with a $2,000 fine for uh, embellishment. Uh, so, you know, he, it seems like it, it doesn't matter what this guy's doing. He's getting fined or suspended for something. Uh, and that's why, I, honestly, I didn't really want to use him in my lineup tonight, but I'm, I'm making the logical decision in, in using him, assuming he plays uh, rather than going with, you know, the emotional one to keep him out. Uh, I just think they have to do something about this long term, whether uh, Boston needs to address it with him. You know, I'm, I'm picturing, uh, you know, maybe maybe the league needs to sit him down in the offseason and say, hey, look, if anything else happens, we're, we're going to drop the hammer. It's going to be 20 games, you know, something, just whatever it needs to be to motivate him to change how he plays, because it's, it's just not right. He's hurting guys, uh, putting their careers in jeopardy. Uh, and so it's, it's just dumb hockey and it, and it needs to be eliminated from the game. So I might've missed this AJ. You said he was fined 2000 for embellishment. Was that on that same hit by any chance? Do you know? No, no, it wasn't. It was okay. a couple couple games ago. Okay, so I just wondered because I was wondering if it was on that play because it looked like uh, there were some theatrics there. I'm not sure, but uh, I'll have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and hope that we don't have to see him involved in any of these other scrapes because, as you said, the guy's turned himself into a, one of the best players in hockey, and that should override everything else. Uh, uh, so we'll leave that there. Uh, then that'll wrap it up for another week of the podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. That's ajscholz 24 we hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more of our roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL when we meet next on March the 20th for the next episode of Puckcast. So you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody.